this may land radically for you, but do you know that conflict can be positive for a relationship? It can feel really dangerous to lean into the conflict. Because what happens if we rupture and can't repair? But if you rupture and repair without a full cleansing, it's a scabbing over of an unhealed wound, only to show up in another rupture in another place and another time. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. In our final podcast conversation for 2023, we are thrilled to return to our podcasting roots and share this conversation between Jerry and three co-founders, Emma, Jill, and Lizzie. They're the co-founders of Brood, a company that focuses on providing doulas and modern family care to Canadians. In this conversation, they share the experience of really navigating the complexities of launching a company in the pandemic, dealing with imposter syndrome. And overall, just the intense emotional and psychological challenges faced by startup founders. So we believe you'll enjoy this conversation with Jerry and the founders from Brood. Reboot Your Year is our invitation to you to pause and honor the transition into this new year. This simple yet powerful five-day course will guide you through this annual transition with grace and open you to the promise and hope of the year ahead. The course unfolds through daily emails, each with a koan to consider and a guided journaling practice handcrafted by the Reboot team. Each day's practice takes less than 20 minutes to complete. We hope you'll enjoy this course so much you'll make it part of your annual practice. We've heard from many of you that you have, and you'll share it with teammates and colleagues as well. Learn how to reboot your year at reboot.io slash reboot new year. Well, hello. Um... You know, one of the downsides of recording a podcast is that the audience doesn't get to hear the banter that begins before <laughs> we hit record. And uh, I will say that this banter it, that we just went through was among my most favorites. So thank you uh, for <laughs> joining. Uh, and, uh, you know, part of the tradition is I, I let uh, folks identify themselves um, and introduce themselves um, because it's it just helps people identify uh, voices and and sort of lands people. So here we are. I am uh, with three folks who together are with uh, a company called Brood, which we will explain in a second. But in the meantime, perhaps uh, starting on my left. Lizzie, uh, you want to take a moment to introduce yourself, and then we'll just turn it to your uh, partners in crime. My name is Lizzie Carp. My pronouns are she and her. I am a parent and the co-founder of Brood. Mm. I'm also a DJ and really excited to be here today. Oh. I'm Jill. Pronouns are she, her. I'm also a parent. I like to say a parent to a fur baby and a skin baby. Mm -hmm. um, and I am the chief creative officer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm Emma. My pronouns are they and them. I'm the chief of Carrot Brood. I'm also a full spectrum doula, which means I support families through loss, conception, pregnancy, birth, and the first year postpartum. I like to also call myself the doula wrangler. Mm -hmm. And I've got a big hodgepodge community of care and family that include these guys and a few other kids and dogs and more. And we're mm -hmm. all doula dealers. Yeah. Doula dealers. Okay. We're going to have to then take a moment to explain what Brood is and why you're all so fixated on doulas and what a doula is. I mean, I know, but what a doula mm -hmm. is. So who, who, I'll toss that out to you all and then we'll sort of dive in. Tell us what Brood is. Brood is a, we like to call it a modern care agency. And mostly we focus on supporting 
pregnant people through birth and postpartum. Um, and we say that we are the future of family care. Mm-hmm. And doulas are care workers that, again, support families through many uh, journeys in life. We're seeing a rise in death doulas and gender-affirming mm-hmm. surgery doulas. But at this point, we're focusing on birth and postpartum and full-spectrum doulas, which means we support families with education, knowledge, emotional support, physical support, hands-on support, logistical support, health concierge support. It's an all-around support person. And really, like my little shtick is, it's like if you had an additional partner that was also a walking birth and postpartum book that had (laughs) zero bias or judgment and was just here to holistically support everyone in the family unit. Is not your mother or mother-in-law. No. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the baggage they're in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, uh, you know, in in our little bantering before when we were getting all set up, one of the things I said to you all was um, that not only did the presenting agenda, which is our coaching terms for, hey, what would you like to talk about, strike us. But the work that you do really spoke to me. And, um, you know, among the many ways that I identify, I identify um, quite loudly as a papa, as a father. And um, my three children are Sam, 33, Emma, 30, and Michael, 26. And of all the things that matter to me in the world, the thing that I have done that has given me the most pride is being a papa to three humans who are extraordinary. And uh, see, now I'm going to start to cry. <laughs> and uh, I, I know what um, I know what y'all do. And their mom and I uh, had to experience challenging births. Uh, all three of us, the children as well, obviously. And um, it is a gift to human beings to do what you do. So thank you for doing that. Thanks, Jerry. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what brings you here? What should we talk about? Well, I hope you know already we're pretty unique and we'll tell you more about how we started, but we're a, we're a threesome of founders and mm. we are deeply integrated, not only in the work of Brood. Brood launched in 2022 in spring. Like it's, it's a fairly young startup, uh, but we are close, close co-founders, dear friends, like, you know, really share a family structure. So our, Founder journey is unique, and we're at the exciting and terrifying early days of launching something that means so much to us. Hmm. But how the fuck are we going to do this? <laughs> Our vision is to bring family care. We're based in Vancouver. It's to bring it all across Canada and into the states and beyond. Hmm. And we're so committed to that. But these early, we're past that, like you know, first date feeling that exciting <laughs> the honeymoon launch. period. <laughs> And we know we're onto something good, but we're like, oh, well, <laughs> okay, we just need to, yeah, we're, we're locked in, but these mm. early phases are, yeah, they're tough at times. Mm. It's a little untangling. Untangling? I don't know. And then retangling. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so interesting to see the journey of a family through conception mm-hmm. to the first year and years into parenthood, and then to see that reflected in the journey of brood and of startups. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating, all the parallels. And I feel mm-hmm. like we're in the toddler years. I mean, I hate mm-hmm. the term terrible twos because I just think that that's total <laughs> bullshit. and mm-hmm. so rude to toddlers. Terrific twos. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we're in those terrific twos. Like we are so knee deep in them. Like I have Janet Lansbury open and we're flipping the page and referencing different chapters of how we can keep going. But it's been, yeah, it's so interesting. Like the adrenaline of like the first year postpartum has definitely worn off. And now we're like, okay, how do we do this? How do we do this in a sustainable way? 
Mm. How do we make this work? And take the advice that we give to the families and parents for ourselves, which is if you're in startup land, feels impossible, but really, Mm. yeah, leaning on those sort of different crossovers between the work that we're doing for families and the work that we need to do for ourselves. Lizzie, you, you said something that I want to follow up on. You said we have a family structure. What do you mean by that? Why don't we start from the beginning? Sure. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> that explains it really more. Our, our origin story is where our family. our family story starts. Which is what Marvel has taught us every superhero we need to understand <laughs> is what is the origin story. We've yes. never seen one. Yeah, we've never seen a Marvel, but yes. Yes, sure. Mm-hmm. We're great at, we're great at storytelling. Mm-hmm. So take us to April 2020. Yes. April 2020. Pandemic land. I think we yeah. all remember that time or are mm-hmm. trying to forget. Um, I gave birth to my first and only child the second week of lockdown in Vancouver, BC, which was just behind some other places in Washington, but in Vancouver and Canada. Second week of lockdown, I gave birth to Sunny, my kiddo, and nobody could come help us. I had a Mm. cesarean section, and instead of staying in the hospital for a few days, I got out of there within 36 hours. I was scared to die in the hospital. Sure, sure. Um, But what I didn't have when we came home was support from anyone, family, friends. Nobody could come over. It was a lot of FaceTime. So like a really terrifying moment in the first part of my parenting career. And I had already hired Emma as my doula on the suggestion slash like, it wasn't even a suggestion. My friends were like, you have to hire this person. I didn't know what a doula was at that time, just like many people don't. Um, And we're trying to change that. But I hired Emma and still couldn't have Emma come either. But by the second Mm. week, um, It was more of a life or death scenario with postpartum uh, mental health issues. I wasn't able to feed um, Sunny other than with an SNS system, which is a tube. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? I think it's worth us just bringing Emma in. So Emma was the first person in Sunny's life outside of myself and my husband. And Emma saved my life. So that's okay. like the very first thing that happens. Yeah. And I'm, so Jill, I'm, yeah. I'm going to ask us to to slow down because we just yeah. hit what I often refer to as a speed bump. <laughs> and speed bumps are those moments where something really important has been said. Yeah. And that there's something dishonoring and not slowing down and acknowledging what uh, what that moment was. Okay, Jerry. And so, and you're not doing something wrong. We, no. We're all, no, we're all socialized to, to, to hit those speed bumps as quickly as we can. And then we say, why did we bottom out the car? Mm. Um, so Emma came into your life, came into Sonny's life mm-hmm. in a way that in, in a time of incredible, pain and suffering in the world yeah, and terrible fear. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm imagining your isolation. Yeah. And this magical being showed up and if I heard you right, saved your life. Yeah. Saved Sonny's life. Just a, a small, just a small thing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an important moment. I know that we want to talk about more and we want to hear more of the origin story, but but in our process of becoming human beings, and be, because I think we're always in that process, it's really, really important to remember these moments. They are a source of infinite strength mm-hmm. and understanding and compassion. Okay. So there we are. It's April 2020. Sonny's been born. Emma has come in. This is the first time you've come to know each other. Is that correct? Yeah, we've had a few cross path crossings before, but when you can't see anybody else, you become fast friends when they are the only one to be there. Um, So a very special bond was formed. And I don't think without that, any of 
the rest of this brood story for us mm. as a as a threesome um, would have happened. And I was exposed to the life-saving care of a doula. And I don't, although the pandemic had a lot to do and the isolation has a lot to do with the intensity at which I experienced it. Um, then watching Lizzie become a parent um, and use Emma as a doula in a little bit of a less pandemic intensity nine months mm. later. I mean... Still isolated. No vaccines. No vaccines. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the shock, like the shock was, it wasn't a new thing to navigate, mm-hmm. but the, we were still playing the same game. The stressors yeah. were the same. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I found I was pregnant the weekend George Floyd was murdered. God rest Pretty. his soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a strange time to imagine bringing someone it's strange time to to learn about uh being existing inside of you just weeks after watching you become a parent yeah full of joy and terrifying <laughs> we've also been best friends for over a decade so we have that connection found out i was pregnant um and knew from early days okay well there's this amazing doula in our community emma will have that support which we would need because the borders were closed. My family's in the States. Um, my partner, Pat's family's in Alberta. We, so we knew, we knew the elements we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. We were going to be isolated. Friends were not going to be able to come into our home. And we were able to work together earlier, like throughout the like mm-hmm. tail end of my pregnancy. But strange as an engaged extroverted person. There's so many people mm. who've never seen me pregnant. Mm. We had a baby shower mm-hmm. on, on Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> um, many of those milestones of that life transition were different. But the um but the care but the care was there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Emma was with me for a day long birth and labor. Um I feel incredibly blessed to say that I walked away from that. Um, I was not traumatized by experience Mm -hmm. uh, and was able to, but like by birth itself, the pandemic Mm -hmm. is a different story, but um, we had, we had you when we had this system, um, we had this care system and this trust that was built Mm -hmm. and vice versa and you can tell a little bit more about your experience, but like we also held you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. during that time mm-hmm. of immense isolation and work. Lizzie also held Emma. Yeah. Right. Oh right. yeah. Jill yeah. too. Yeah. We were in a, we became a bubble. Yeah. Us mm-hmm. and our families, the three of us and our families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For that whole year and a half. Yeah. First year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Continued. Yeah. I, the landscape in which I found these two was, I'd been a care worker for a good handful of years. I've been dueling families. Um, I come from an entrepreneurial background. So it was really interesting for me to kind of understand why doulas have a life cycle of five years or less, and then they burn Mm. out and never come back to it. I was really kind of pulling that apart in my own mind. I was building my own family structure. I, through the recommendation of someone in my family structure that I supported through her birth and postpartum with twins pre-pandemic, she had suggested to Jill, that was the the strong arm that Jill was mentioning, who was like, you're just actually going to do this. Yeah, you must. You must. Emma. It's happening. We've crowdfunded. It's happening. Um, so I came into knowing Jill through a really intimate relationship in my life. And so there was this kind of un- really strong undercurrent of trust and you know, I was, I was picking my families and clients really carefully at that Mm. point. And I was doing, you know, one postpartum family at a time. And, um, that's kind of the, the landscape in which I walked into Jill's life. And you can kind of start to get a bite size of an understanding of the honor it is to be able to Mm -hmm. serve families through pregnancy and postpartum through the impact that Mm -hmm. it had on Jill and Lizzie. And 
as they've mentioned, through supporting them, through their acute care crises, and just, you know, parenting journeys, they held me and we decided to to do Brood and through the like growth and evolution of Brood. Mm. And, you know, my work as a care worker, my work in this space has been so deeply tied to who I am as a person and my identity and how I show up in the world. And so it greatly changed when they came into the sphere of it. It greatly changed my family structure and they doulaed me through it and they still do. We still have all learned the language of how to care for each other, what help looks like now, you know, it went from me as the care worker to them as the care receivers to a total mm-hmm. mashup of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've had many life challenges and growths that have occurred through that time. And they have like acutely reflected back mm-hmm. my care to me and, and the lessons that I need to learn in <laughs> understanding and receiving and asking for help. The thing that we all shared because of, in spite of, and like completely inspired by our connection at that time was we want as many people to have this as Mm. possible. Like, Mm. why doesn't everybody know about this? Why doesn't everybody have this? And can we be the people to help make that happen? And who's the care worker? How do we highlight the care worker? Mm -hmm. A well supported, well-nurtured care worker, you know, that bleeds over into their work with families. and, and Maybe making a dent uh, in that problem of mm-hmm. burnout and turnover in the care worker space. Yeah. So a lot of love here. <laughs> Just a smidge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of shared values mm-hmm. and possibly even shared visioning how to bring forth in the world. Mm -hmm. So what's the problem? (laughs) Well, we were talking about it yesterday. We've had great conversations about it. Yeah, we always, there's, there's lots of ebbs and flowing. What would be the top of the tops? You go for it. I think that the, it's like this, like m- this molten core of who we are is this like love and this shared love in like each other's children and our like commu- our larger community, and then we like stack things on top of that, and then it's like ooh the complexities of who we are as humans and how mm-hmm. that interacts with our work is an interesting thing to untangle. You're, so what I'm hearing you say is the crossover of the work life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like as we, me and Lizzie were just talking about this, as we like forge a different path forward, you know, like family, like a new family structure, a new way of doing business, a new mm-hmm. way of like caring for care workers and families, like that's so much forging of new paths. And with that comes unloading baggage and rewriting things. And that's so much hard work. And we have to do that in our own different ways, which then bumps into so many things. And so I feel like that's, that's an everyday element. Lizzie, you you look like you're processing something. This is yeah. this is Lizzie's amazing. We <laughs> call Lizzie face. the magic eight ball. She turns mm. things over in her hand over mm. and over and over. So often um Gemini, Emma, and I will word vomit at Lizzie mm. and then Lizzie distills it and asks us questions back. So could you do that right now for Which us? Which I learned from you. Thank yes. you. <laughs> um I'm just doing my Jerry impression and our coach Linda. Shout out to Linda. Yeah. Um <laughs> like this is we're learning by by doing. So we have this this really unique special origin story. And then you have the business model that comes out of this, right? Where Mm. we're like, okay, so you're running this agency. What if we expand this? We're going to leave our our corporate jobs, Jill and I, and we're going all in on this. We've never Mm. really run a- Anxiety goes up. (laughs) Keep going. Yeah, yeah, these are the real things. These are the real things. Oh, we've um, we do have some startup experience. Like we've all run our own things, mm-hmm. but the way that we're doing this, we have we we have amazing mentors who believe in us. But we are oh, we're like actually running a a growth startup. We are mm-hmm. fundraising. We did a friends and family round. We are pitching people. 
We are um, code switching because the way that we talk and work within care work and within this new right. fundraising lens, we're dealing with right. families. Families are really fucked up right now. <laughs> um, the the work itself, the demands of the work um, are really intense and the skills skill sets that we have that we bring and then the demands of their the kids that we so lovingly spoke about like they still exist yeah they're 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 three and two and a half um so the the demands are like financially challenging emotionally challenging logistically challenging and then because we're so enmeshed in each other's lives i've used a metaphor is that we spill over each other We just, we, the, um, we're allowed to, or we have the habit of spilling Mm. the anxiety over each other because Mm. we're all, we're all, Mm. we, we're all drowning or, or one of us will be drowning at once. Mm. And that's the unique nature. That's the challenge. That's the version of the challenge. You know, uh, I, I heard a few things there that I want to reflect back, um, and the first thing I want to just uh, identify and lift up is um, what there, there are some things that I'm hearing that are familiar and some things that I think might be uh, more of a unique expression of brood and, mm. and your relationship. And so while you're not the first folks who, who are experiencing the need to code switch, um, uh, it, it has its implications for you. So just take 30 seconds and explain, Lizzie, how code switching shows up for you all. If you understand care work because you're a parent or you're passionate mm-hmm. about the care crisis and you mm-hmm. see the business opportunity, people that we're talking to who get it really get it. They're passionate, they're curious, and they're really excited about what we're doing. If you are outside of that, there's a lot of education for us to do, and there are different ways to do that. Um, Whether it's validating the needs of parents, whether it's validating the work of care workers and the doula scope of care, that takes a lot of energy. It's not impossible. We're peers with lots of people doing this work. So it's really about, you know, working on the business and then trying to fundraise for more resources to build what we want to build as fast as we want to build that. So whether we're working with each other, helping families, working with care workers, educating families, or we're going out and we're specifically fundraising and we're trying to to validate the work that we're doing in this larger, I don't know, market sense, that's a lot of the times where I notice that code switching energy. Where we're 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 moving from like corporate speak to like a heartfelt business model. Mm. We're talking to we're talking about like numbers and growth models and talking to people that are, don't look like us who are mm. really intense and we need to be in that space and we also need to be in a space where we're like deeply loving and caring for each other and the families that are in our community. So like, that's something we experienced. And I think Emma experiences an entirely different kind of code switching too, if you want to speak to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's two versions. The first one is, yeah, absolutely. As a care worker moving into like the corporate world in any sense of it, I had no lived experience. I had no understanding of what that was like. Mm. And so there's been a huge learning and unlearning and, you know, rewriting and also uplifting of like, okay, you do know some things, Mm. you know, Um, it's been really interesting kind of that journey and that path and what that's looked like. Mm. And then I think as a, you know, queer and trans person, there's a lot of code switching Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, the, the lessons I know through my lived experiences, like in these communities and, um, you know, in the care work I do, in the family structures I do, in like the pursuit of understanding my identity and supporting other families and um, feeling safe and secure and seen in our, in everything we do. That's a really interesting code switch that has to happen within this team that 
like sees me and nurtures me and has held me through so many transitions that I've had internally um, to then move into other rooms mm. where there is no understanding or potentially even desire to do that because it's just, it's not the place, it's not the time, whatever. Um, that's been, a, that's been a really interesting code switch that I've had to learn how to do and things I've had to learn to like, how do I uplift myself? How do I lean onto Lizzie and Jill? And it's also, I think speaking for you here, it's a learning for you too, as well on how like you guys have done that in such different ways for me as time has progressed in the ways that you've, essentially done like preliminary code switching for me or preparing other folks, which has been, I think I wish everyone was able to experience that because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's incredible. So I, I really appreciate the extra um, information about the experience uh, that you're having. And, you know, what, what I'm hearing Is that there is, and and I really like the way you described it. I'm 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 thinking more about the way you described it, Emma. This notion of it operating on multiple levels, and and um, there is one level that is I would say more common, um, uh, which is. Uh, in language I might use, it would be playing the part of the growth-oriented entrepreneur who's <laughs> fixated on return on investment, <laughs> and, uh -huh. right? And and really, there is a uh, conflict that can arise when it's almost like inside you're saying, "Just give me the money so that I can do the work," right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know the way. I often suggest that that conflict can be resolved, and forgive me if you've heard me use this metaphor before, but it's the importance of balancing content and container. Mm -hmm. See, what can happen when we step into that place is we can feel that those impulses are in opposition to each other. Oh, today I put on my corporate speak. Today I put on my, you know, my suit of armor that uh, is designed to convince the other person I'm worthy in some capacity. And I have found it useful to realize that part of our task in building a business is actually to balance content and container. Now, what do I mean by that? The container is how you do this business. Okay. It's the fiscal expression of the business. It is the fact that if you do this business correctly, then a care worker will be able to pay their bills. Mm. Right? I mean, it's, it's, that's the importance of the container. And what's really important to recall and to always hold on to this because it can give you some sustenance is that a container that lacks content is meaningless. But content that lacks a container is useless. <laughs> and so the work is actually, and this is where I want to normalize it a little bit and familiarize it. The work is to always be balancing those things, to not give up content, right? You're not going to transform the business into a, you know, fentanyl delivery service, right? <laughs> because you're still, you're never going to give up the essence of why you exist, which goes back to the origin story, okay? Mm -hmm. And so the goal, the fundraising goal is to enable the delivery of content. The P&L report, the profit and loss statement that you produce is in service too. Just as the work that you do as executives, which may feel a little bit odd to call yourself those words, is really in service too. This is servant right. leadership in that regard. And I just, I do want to recognize the other half of this. 
what we've identified as a version of code switching. And just speaking from my heart, I can imagine, and, and, and this may stem from identifying as a woman, it may it stem from identifying as a trans person, however it stems from, there is an annihilation of self that feels like it's happening. I'm imagining that to be true. Does that resonate at all? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like, how do you, it's a constantly like lifting up and standing up for each other and oneself and that feeling. I mean, even the analogy you were using about putting on this shield to, you know, your worth, I'm like, it's like that, but every second of every day in every single thing you do, which is why it's so tiresome and why having that, some of that lifted and shared with other people is, it means so much because it's, that's, I think that that's why queer and trans people get worn down so easily is because it's like, that is such a huge weight to carry. Right. You know, um, I've got a book coming out called Reunion leadership and the longing to belong. And Mm -hmm. um, in that book, what I attempt to do is to speak to people who identify as I do, white, cis, straight, male, power and privilege thrust upon me in ways that I don't even recognize and I don't even feel and to understand that there is a longing to belong that's implicit in each of us. And I think that part of the work that you're doing is about supporting families in a particular moment, which is about creating belonging. Mm. And to I can, I, without taking away and saying, I, can, I know the experience because I don't, I can be adjacent enough to the experience to use my empathetic imagination to slow down for that speed bump and honor it. Mm, Thank you. And this is one of the manifestations of the struggle of being this startup. It's only one. Yeah. That um, makes this particular startup heart. Mm -hmm. And worthwhile. (laughs) Yes. Because that's the crazy fucking thing is that the worthwhile is always hard. Mm. Agreed. Because the forces of mendacity are relentless Mm -hmm. and don't stop. We haven't talked about the lack of good maternal health care. <laughs> right? We haven't even mentioned. Don't even get me started. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Which is a subset of the lack of care, which is a subset yeah. of patriarchy and supremacy, capitalism. which is right. Oh, I mean, yeah. an extractive capitalism that is, yes. you know, I mean, we, and we haven't even talked about the consequences. I mean, one of my friends is the head of neurosurgery at a major New York hospital, and we haven't talked about the moral mm. wounding. Mm-hmm. That our healthcare workers in the system yeah. experience every single day when they're forced to make these kinds of uh, choices where they deny proper health care so that they can maintain a job. Mm-hmm. Right. So y'all are in the stew. <laughs> yeah. You. <laughs> It's hot in here. Juicy. You know, when we talk about the unique experiences here, and and I think that this is important because we haven't really begun to talk about balancing the closeness, the entanglements, the relationship, but what draws you together is, um, I'm going to make a Buddhist reference, okay? So um, in Buddhism you're probably familiar with what a bodhisattva is. But for the sake of the audience, a bodhisattva 
is a being who has the ability to escape this mortal world of samsara and endless cycle of pain and suffering and chooses not to escape, chooses to take rebirth, to work towards the end of suffering so that all beings are released or until all beings are released from suffering. So this is Brood doing business as DBA Bodhisattva Inc. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And so tell me again why you're struggling. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? It's so funny when you're speaking through that. I mean, remembering why we do it is, as Emma said, I think earlier, maybe it was yesterday, like, the reason is not hard to remember yeah. or not yeah. hard to call on and not hard to pull up when we're struggling or in conflict. Um, it's like, how do we make it not easier for ourselves? Although some ease would be very nice and money. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. More fundraising. <clears throat> yeah, FYI, yeah. anybody yeah. is how do we make it sustainable for ourselves so that we can keep doing it. Yeah. Because we are going to have conflict. We're going to spill over each other. Honestly, that's never going to stop. And I think we like, we want to keep mm-hmm. that going. But how do we straddle those big things? Like, how do we straddle, you know, being emotional and, and being within this giant <laughs> healthcare crisis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just continuing to do it every day more sustainably? Well, you know, um, and we often work with um, pairs of co-founders, mm-hmm. um, um, and they are shocked when we talk about um, the relationship um, in language that sounds like discussing romantic relationships. Oh, we um, love we that. love it. We love it. Oh, we're yeah. married. Yeah, we're, we're a triplet. We're a triad. We're a threesome. Right, okay. and and so if you and 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 you, we can joke about that. But the mm-hmm. challenge is there's actually more clarity about boundary structures in traditional family and relational descriptions mm-hmm. than there are in co-founder relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because. Navigating this space of, you know, what do I share? What do I not share? Is hard. The the rules of the road uh, aren't clear. And everything, I mean, the reason I spend so much time talking about the experience that you're having from from the, the importance of the work to the actual experience that you're having is, that is like pouring gasoline on the fire of the startup. Meaning, mm. the more important the work, the more the intensity of the fire. Because mm-hmm. what, what yeah. tends to run is when we're in conflict, right? It goes, don't you realize that I'm trying to save lives? <laughs> right? Now, even if we don't give voice to that, that's the feeling. Or don't you realize that I'm fighting for my own life? Don't mm. you realize? that I'm fighting systemic oppression? Don't you realize that I'm fighting that? And so what ends up happening is the the whole intensity levels up Mm -hmm. from what many startups are, which is, don't you realize that I'm trying to save my parents from devastation and that's why I'm doing my startup, right? It's it's like all of that stuff leveled up. Mm -hmm. Um, Carl Jung said, the closer to the light you get, the deeper the shadow. Mm. And I don't feel a lot of shadow work going on here, but what I think may be going on is that because the importance is so intense, the little subroutines that run inside of you that tell you this is about existential threat Mm -hmm. are always running on high. Does that resonate at all? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the, like, being at the edge. Yeah. So we, individually and collectively, we, the learning curve is steep. 
When you said PL, I was like, I know what that is now, but I didn't know six months ago, and I'm in charge of our books right now. So right, right. So so hold on, Lizzie. What does that feel? What did that feel like if I had said PL statement three months ago? What did that feel like to you? Oh, the imposter syndrome, yeah. the and I don't even like using that term. It's the feeling underwater like we have the um this container yeah we're learning so much about it so quickly under resourced and that's why in our own ways too like i really think we're at the we're we're often at the edge I try to not use imposter syndrome because I know we can figure it out. And we did. Right, and right. now we know. Right. But, but, <laughs> um, but it's this, it's this edge of insecurity. It's, it, it's, majorly. you know, in coaching yeah. terminology, we'd say conscious of our incompetence. Mm. Yes. Like, yeah. We just totally. feel it. Oh, we're we at that it. moment. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we didn't incorporate in this province that we're operating business. <laughs> what? Who knew that we're supposed to pay taxes there? Right. I mean, like, like the everyday structure yeah. and, yeah. and we can compound that experience if we start to apply some shame. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh. Throw a little guilt in there. Yeah. Well, yeah. dash of each of those. Yeah. We've all well, got some generational well, guilt, plus uh, being feminized people. We take things pers- like yeah. collectively. Yeah, it's a. Right. You said we're already on fire. So, what's the metaphor now? <laughs> so, so <laughs> what about letting your co founders down? That feeling. Anybody have that yeah. one? It's the, it's the probably the worst. But one. what I will say, what's okay, I don't know how many triad co founder groups you've talked to. What is amazing about it in these edge on mm. fire moments, which are daily, if not mm. multiple times a day, we find ourselves like the triangle is constantly moving mm. on its axis because mm. two people are usually at the base uplifting another. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's not top down, although that that happens too, right? Where somebody feels left out or not in the loop. But more often than not, what's been really amazing to be a part of is like somebody's crashing and burning. My kid's daycare shut down for two months this summer. Well, they picked up the slack. Uh, Somebody gets COVID. Well, we pick up the slack. Somebody's partner needs support. Well, we like what is amazing is it doesn't put one person out. It there's still two other people and that's a lot stronger. It's that it's just, it's, it's got, you've got more backup, which has been quite amazing. Of course there's challenges. There's more communication that has to happen. It's like being in a thruple, mm. you know, we it's are. a three person couple. It's a three person mm. marriage and probably the most, one of the most important relationships in my life. Love you, Brad, partner, Brad. <laughs> um, but you know, like we're, in constant communication about the fire (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we miss things often and it's challenging, but I will say the triad part has helped, especially in this, what you've, you know, really pointed out to us, this intense container that we're trying to uplift and make visible. How do how, how do you handle as a, as a threesome, how do you handle when one of you disappoints the other or when one of you pisses off the other. (laughs) Okay. Two different things. I mean, the disappointing piece, I think (laughs) there's almost this piece of learning to disappoint Mm -hmm. and being able to Mm -hmm. be okay with it and being okay with it. So I don't think disappointing either of you is the worst thing. I think you have taught me that it's okay to disappoint you. Yeah, it's okay to fuck up. Being okay with failure, being okay with imperfection is like something we're, we always work on. It's integral. Yeah. What about anger? Yeah, it ha- well, as Jill mentioned, me and her are both Geminis. We so spicy sometimes. It happens. It's more like a top blowing, not like anger. It's more like um, a manic energy than a super angry. Although we've been there. I've been there. Yeah. We use a lot of our therapy experience. Mm-hmm. We have a coach. Good. We are good at taking time out 
or like giving each other permission to like do something else or take a break or. And we know it's normal. Like it's going to happen. It's supposed Mm -hmm. to happen. It's a human emotion. I think that there's like, there is a permission piece in there where it's kind of like, you're not, it's, it's, this is a part of it. You know, we like, there's a, you know, therapy speak rupture Mm -hmm. and repair. It's Mm -hmm. a constant experience. And I think that, you know, understanding that the cycle of rupture and repair will keep happening and we'll keep getting better at it and we'll keep understanding each other through it. And we want to be here. Like our foundation is so, is so deep to reach from that when we have that cycle of rupture and repair, we, we, we reenter like symbiosis in a, in a, really beautiful way and like, I, it sucks but it's okay it's okay yeah it sucks and it's okay and it's a part of it mm-hmm. jill earlier in the conversation you said something and and i picked up on it um i don't know if it was in the bantering part before we recorded or <laughs> afterwards but you said something about deflecting mm. do you remember that no nope, please remind me something about well we'll deflect i think you said and i think you oh made, yeah Oh, when we were talking about if there was a topic that we didn't want to discuss with you, we yeah. we would be good at deflecting. Okay, so okay, so, pick up on that, Jerry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and this is a feeling. This is just intuition. I, I could be wrong, but the feeling I get is we come close to hot topics, and then we have to love each other. We have to say like. Mm. Emma, to use your words, it's like we come close to the rupture, but we rush right into the repair. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that family systems can do, I remember I was doing a uh, leading an executive team offsite, and I was watching this team, and every time the team, it's about 20 people, came close to a really tough topic, somebody would make a joke. Hmm. (laughs) And the third time it happened, I pointed it out and the CEO said, oh my fucking God, it's my family all over again. (laughs) Oh no. Yes. So what I notice about the three of you is that you're incredibly skilled. You access your feelings quite well. You have words. As a parent, one of the most important things my psychoanalyst told me, one of the most important things I could do to my children, for my children, is give them words, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I see you're angry right now, right? Words. You have words. And you have love. And you have shared understanding of the world. And you have a shared commitment of the world. And, And again, it's just an observation. I could be wrong here. But leaning into the sharp edge of the disagreements might actually make the disagreements easier. Hmm. And the most important thing about the repair that follows a rupture is that the relationship can be stronger. Mm -hmm. See, if we take a step back and we say, right, and, and this I'm borrowing from the Buddhist psychotherapist, John Wellwood, who wrote a lot about relationship. And one of the things he talked about was relationship as what he called spiritual crucible. And, and you know, as, if you've read my writing, I'd like to point out that the crucible is not a pleasant experience. You're taking dross, you're taking lead and heating it up to extraordinary temperatures to turn it into gold. That's what the alchemists did. And this experience is a crucible for each of you. And perhaps the unspoken, unconscious experience is, well, how do I handle it when my partner so infuriates me? So that how do I extract from that the unmet need that actually lies behind the anger Mm. or the fear that lies behind the anger. 
Now I see you nodding. Am I coming close to something that might be useful? <laughs> Are we all nodding? Yeah. Yes. They're all nodding and like doing this with their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think we we're fixers and we're doers. Care workers. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's not that we don't understand that pain and suffering happens. Clearly we're in the care yeah. work business, but I think that we don't love being uncomfortable for long when it comes to the, the hard stuff that we do have to deal with as a, mm-hmm. as a founder team. Mm-hmm. This, this may land radically for you, but do you know that conflict can be positive for a relationship? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know that intellectually. <laughs> yeah, I know it intellectually. It's really hard. And right. yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's almost like uh, the work, you know, rather than going to specific instances, I think the work to do with your coach, the work to do with your resources, you have mm-hmm. a bunch of angels around you. And I don't just mean financial angels. I can feel it already. I'm drawn in. I want to be back with you. I want to help. <laughs> Y'all got magic powers, right? Because you're pulling people in and you're pulling the angels in. The work is to help you lift up your ability to, to, to be in conflict so in a way where the love is unshakable. Mm-hmm. It could for when when the stakes are so high for you all, and they're enormously high. It can feel really dangerous to lean into the conflict, because what happens if we rupture and can't repair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you rupture and repair without a full cleansing. It's, it's a scabbing over of an unhealed mm-hmm. wound mm-hmm. only to show up in another rupture in another place and another time. Totally. What's coming up for me is deep trust in, in the love and the repair capacity mm-hmm. uh, emotionally and logistically to understand the unmet need mm-hmm. <laughs> of all of us. Mm-hmm. It's something I personally talk about um, being the parent of a young kid and running a startup is like, I often go to my own therapy and I'm like, I do not know how I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And I'm really okay with that. And I understand bringing that energy to this, how that's different. And I think we're all holding so many things that that might also be a shared truth. Um, and I'm also holding the not rush to fix. Yeah. You're all such great fit. We, we mm-hmm. had a big chat yesterday about capacity and we're like, great, we got a plan. Talk tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not rush to repair. Cause I do think we're not afraid of, we're not totally afraid of conflict, but I do think we want it to be over. I think the repair I, part be yeah, over fast. I, I have a feeling, and I noticed this. Remember when I stopped you, Jill, and, mm. and we went over slowly over the speed bump. Um, I think it it's it's not conflict; it's suffering that's hard mm-hmm. for you to bear mm-hmm. without fixing. <laughs> Ties into the work, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's, <laughs> like I think this is a beautiful yeah. thing of being in a relationship with people and getting to like have a deeper understanding of what brought Mm. you here and who you are and how it plays into everything. And this is so interesting. It's so delightful to see and heartbreaking to see who we are as people and why we chose each other and why we chose to enmesh together so Mm. deeply and knowing that that's such a core piece of our stories. Yeah. Your bodhisattva-ness, your your commitment to the alleviation of suffering Mm -hmm. is so, seems so central to who you are Mm -hmm. that the impulse might be that if there's suffering, if someone's upset, if I'm upset, then I have to move quickly to alleviate it. 
Yeah. When, um, and you know this better than I, so I'm going to mangle this, but um, when someone who is giving birth is having a contraction, what is the advice that you give to move through the pain of that suffering? Yeah. I mean, you're going to tell someone to physically go as limp as possible, you know, and then mentally and emotionally lean on your people, whether that's, you know, picturing your ancestors or the other folks who are doing this in this very moment with you, or whether that's going someplace that is calm and Mm. supportive and blissful, whatever you need to do, but it's a lean in. It's not a lean away. No. No, because if they lean away, the body will tighten, Mm -hmm. the pain will increase, the fear will increase, right? And this is true for birth as well as for death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. This is true for life. And so one one of the things to think about, about your journey, all of the forces that brought the three of you together in this magical being, this magical experience. Because least we forget this, you are trying to do something magical. You're creating something out of nothing. That is magical work. And it's important work. One of the opportunities here of the spiritual crucible that is this experience is for each of you to work with the parts of you that led you to alleviate suffering. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I found on an unconscious basis the perfect beings to do the work of my life with. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, I happen to alleviate suffering for others in the world at the same time. <laughs> Bonus. Yeah. Best days feel that way. We often say our shared frustration is about resources for us to just do this work better and more like and more of it. So that's Mm -hmm. yeah. So a word about that before we start to wrap. Fundraising is fucking hard. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. And just because it's hard doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Thanks. Same with parenting. Good reminder. Okay. And just because yeah. it's hard doesn't mean, or just because you didn't understand what a PL statement was three months ago means that's why. Okay. Fundraising is always hard. And right now it's especially hard because the funding community is going through a shock of, you mean I can't just roll over and fart and make money? No, yeah. you yeah. actually have to do the hard work. There is a tremendous amount of shock in the system going on right now. And I don't know if you're going to be successful. Okay. But none of that takes away from the importance of the work. Right. For heaven's sake, do not use funding as validation for self-worth. Or the value of the work that you're doing in the world. It's just funding. It's really hard. It's really important. Your partners at home might be saying, uh, we need a little bit more money in the house, you know, <laughs> all of that. Yes. But if there are ways that you could, you know, manage with what you've got coming in and that sort of thing, this is the work of entrepreneurship. And most entrepreneurs are like that. That's what the experience is like. Um, you know, I often cite my grandfather as the first entrepreneur I counted, who was an ice man in Brooklyn, right? And he counted his money every day. How much money did I earn today? Was it more than I made than I started the day with? Okay, it was a good day. That was his P and L statement, right? <laughs> and that's kind of business. So I didn't want to leave without the pragmatic piece of this at least being addressed. Thank so you, you. you don't feel so, uh, if you were, 
feeling your confidence shaken around that. Feels very good to hear. Perfect mm. time to hear it too. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the work that you do. You know, I I am one of the very, very lucky people in the world who does their work and feels better afterwards, after that expenditure of energy than before. And just being in conversation with you lifts me up. And, uh, you know, separately, I'll be rooting for you. But um, it's an honor to be with you. It really is. So. Thank you, Jerry. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcasts to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. Are you feeling stuck in your work or life and longing for a shift? Maybe you're undergoing a personal or professional transition, or perhaps you're looking for ways to be a more potent leader, colleague, and human being. As a coaching company, we work closely with individuals, teams, and whole organizations to develop self-awareness and relational skills, as well as frameworks they need to be more effective leaders in life and in their career. Whether you're venture-backed or bootstrapped, a founder or a VC, CEO or solopreneur, small business owner or manager, our team of experienced coaches are here to support you in your leadership journey of self-discovery and unlocking your unique leadership style so that you can meet life and work challenges with grace and ease. Become who you were born to be. If you're ready to take your life and leadership to the next level, Contact our engagement team for a complimentary consultation. Learn more at reboot.io slash coaching.